The text of the sermon this day is taken from Matthew 15, beginning at verse 21. And if you pull out your pew Bibles, you could go to page 976. And so that's where we're going to be focusing. So in the last few weeks, as we've been started to make use of the pew Bibles, we've been going through chapters 14 and 15, following from the feeding of the 5,000. Last week we heard about Jesus walking on water, and that is indeed relevant to what you are hearing right here. So verse 21, it says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre in Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. So she has a concern, obviously. And she says those words, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Words that should sound familiar. Have mercy. Lord have, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Sound familiar? If not, you weren't paying attention a few minutes ago. We just sang it. And in a little bit, you'll hear, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Or Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Same idea. Where do we get this idea to do our prayers like that? This crazy thing called the Bible. Yeah, that's where we're getting it from. We're giving... The Bible gives us ways how to pray. And this is what this woman is doing. But he did not answer her a word. Is Jesus answering her? I mean, ignoring her right now? Not really. You have to remember, Jesus is a little bit like Yoda. In that Yoda, he's like always a bit ahead of the game. If you've ever seen Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, you know Yoda shows up and he meets Luke, but Luke doesn't know it's Yoda. It takes him a while to figure it out, and Luke makes a fool of himself. So similarly, Jesus is always a step ahead. He knows what is going on. He knows more than you do. So there is a reason he is not answering her. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. The words that they use is almost the way you would talk about a dog. And we're not talking about the, the pets kind of dogs. In the ancient world, in the time of Jesus, very few people had pet dogs. Only the very wealthy did. Generally speaking, dogs were considered gross and mangy, mangy and nobody wanted anything to do with them. And so they're telling her to send her away like you'd send away a dog. He answered I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, if you were here last week, this might sound familiar. When, Jesus, when Peter was sinking in the water, he said, Lord, save me. Not the exact same words, but very, very similar. Which means, this is your hint, this woman is about to teach the disciples a lesson. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, about a year or two ago, there was a very liberal pastor who made a lot of press because he said in this verse, Jesus is a racist and a sinner. 
who needed to repent of his sin right here. But he didn't, and the reason is, is because he uses this dog imagery. Because in the time of Jesus, dog was a way to refer to Canaanites, that people referred to Canaanites. Because Canaanite, canine. Hear the similarity? They played into that all the time, very often. But does Jesus actually call her a dog? Does he actually say, oh, you're a dog, I can't give this to you? No, he isn't. He knows their pre the prejudice of the, the disciples. He knows their racist attitudes. And he is playing into it to teach them, to correct them. Jesus isn't being a racist. He's correcting racism. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall down from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. And notice again, another parallel to last week, if you were here. When Peter was thinking, Jesus said, O you of little faith. And here of the woman, he says, Great is your faith. That is, again, she is being used to teach the disciples. Because when Jesus, Jesus didn't call her a dog, but she acknowledged, she referred to herself as a dog. Because the thing that she got that the disciples don't get is that in comparison to Jesus, everyone is a dog. Everyone is. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. If you look at Genesis chapter 1, you read, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then you read that God said, let there be light, and there was light. Do you know who was talking? It is the exact same person to whom this woman is speaking. Jesus did not become, was not called Jesus until he was born a Mary. But, the second person of the Trinity has always existed. If he has never not existed, then he is not God. But because he is God, he has always existed. And nothing exists apart from his word. That's what John chapter 1 tells us. So Jesus spoke everything into existence. And we are the creation. So the woman, the disciples... You, me, in comparison to Jesus, we are dogs. And to make it even farther, at the beginning of Genesis 1, at the end of Genesis 1, God said that creation was what? Good. Not just good. Very good. Now, how is it now? Now, don't get me wrong, we have beautiful creation. A few weeks ago, I took a drive down Lowe's Hills and went to Sioux City for, for, for supper after church, or lunch after church and decided to do some stuff there. On the way back, I decided to drive through Lowe's Hills, which in case you don't know, one very beautiful drive, but you don't have to drive far to get to it. And beautiful creation. But we know that all the world is not as it was meant to be. And is it because God put shoddy parts? Maybe he went cheap and 
went to like Walmart or whatever and found the cheapest brand he could find and he built the earth on that? No. You could have the best parts in the world, but if you have a bad driver behind the car, it's still going to have problems. And the bad drivers are, well not drivers, but bad passengers, is us. We have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God. And if you ever want to test this, just look at the Ten Commandments. Second Commandment says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. In confirmation, the way I illustrate this to the kids is, let's say we have a student named Fred. I've never had a student named Fred, but hypothetical. There may have been one many years ago, I don't know. But anyways, I could say, I'd be like, so I just talk, you're like, ah, Fred. Like, and then Fred would be like, what? I wasn't talking to you. And they go back to the lesson, maybe. And they say, ah, Fred. And they just say, and like, what? Are you talking to me? No, I'm just saying, I'm just really frustrated. I wanted to, and so I'm just using your name. If I do that for long enough to a person, and I actually address that person, say, hey, Fred, he won't be certain if I'm talking to him. Because I have taken the power away from his name. Now, when we say, oh, gosh, or oh, geez, or OMG, or God, Jesus, out of anger or frustration, we are taking the name above all names and stripping it of its power and making it meaningless. Because that's what the word, to use the Lord's name in vain, literally means to use, to render it meaningless. Such a common, everyday thing. OMG is a common thing in texting. Or how about the word damn? We've really, when we were growing up, we always knew, we always had that, when I was growing up, we always knew the categories of what were the worst swear words there were, and damn was always at the bottom. In fact, television tells us that. If you say that in television, that is not as bad as some of the other swear words. But do you know what that word actually means? When you say, damn you to someone, you're saying to that person, I want you to suffer eternally in hell and never to come out. It is the worst and harshest thing to say to a person. It's actually the worst sin, the swear word. Because you, and that's what we've done, is when we say it, we don't think about it because we strip the power of the word. We don't realize that that's the consequence of our, that we deserve because of our sin. We are talking about hell, which is a real place. And it is, that is where we deserve to go on account of our sin. But we have absolutely stripped it of its power. And by consequence, we stripped God of his holiness. Or how about, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, third commandment. You're in church, so you got that part going right now. But you get done with church, and maybe you go to Zimmy's or whatever restaurant. Do you know what they say is the worst day of the week for servers? Sunday after church. Do you know why? Not because it's busy, but because the church crowd tends to be the rudest, most obnoxious, and the worst tippers. Which, by the way, if you have an issue with tipping and the way they pay the staff or whatever, you're, the way you act against it, don't go to the restaurant. 
If you have an issue and you go to the restaurant, don't take it out on the server. They can't afford it. So your choice is either don't eat or tip. It is a bad witness. It's basically you go to church, you've heard God's word, and you went out and act as if you were not, you've heard nothing. That is breaking the third commandment. Or you're driving your car, and you, by the way, if you happen to have a Jesus fish on your car, this is especially bad. And you're driving down the highway, and you are tailgating, and you're riding the person in front of you, and you're driving nice and aggressive. And by the way, this is something as a pastor I have to think about when I'm wearing my clerical collar. I have to be mindful of how I drive. Because what you're saying is when you are not respecting the other people in the road, you're saying, you know what, Jesus loves you, but I don't care about you right now. Guess what? You're supposed to even love the person in the car behind you, next to you, in front of you, etc. That's how we've broken this world. And that is how we are dogs in comparison to Jesus. And yet, this is the thing. Jesus did not call her a dog. He did not actually call her a dog because what he knew is that to be a child of Israel does not come by ancestry. It does not come by works. It comes by grace through faith. This woman had faith. And because she had faith, she indeed is or was a child of Israel. And therefore an heir of paradise. And you, who are chosen in the waters of baptism, receive the blessing of Christ, receive forgiveness and life. You are a child. And you know what? If he's the king of kings, lord of lords, do you know what it means to be a child of a king? That means you are a prince. And don't get caught up on the gender. Say, oh, princess versus... The difference... I'm not talking about gender. I'm talking about title and status. In the ancient world... Princesses did not get the inheritance. Princes did. In other words, you are a prince and an heir of the Most High God. Which means, now this is where I'm going to get to this, the backpacks. Think, school starts on Wednesday, right? Last night I had a discussion with somebody and the discussion was, are you looking forward to school? And some people, and so this person, like, when I grew up, I really looked forward to school. When I grew up, I did not. Two, few reasons. One, my birthday almost always landed on the first week of school. My birthday, in case you don't know, is August 27th. Many years, it was the first day. And so they're like, happy birthday, go to school. Oh, God, this is the worst present ever. So... Because that meant you didn't get to sleep in all of a sudden anymore. I'm, I'm still not a per morning person. I'm a, I'm a night hawk. Secondly, is, you know, sure you get to see your friends, but I got to see friends during the summer. Except for it wasn't in the confines of school. We could do what we wanted. Now we have to do it in the middle of a class. And then... And some of those classes, okay, I enjoyed some of them, but do you know what the first days of schools were always like? All right, here's the syllabus. This is what you got to do for the year. It's the most boring day of the entire school year. It's the one that you are trying really, really hard not to fall asleep. 
And there's the other thing, and this is a reality that for some kids, is when you, you spent that summer away from the kids that aren't so nice. You had three months away from them, and now you're going to come back and you're praying that that doesn't come back. Or you spent that summer, you had somebody who's your best friend this summer, the last school year. This is especially true if you come from middle school to high school or elementary to middle school. Your best friend is no longer your best friend in high school or middle school. There's a, it's not always something to look forward to. So all of our 6th through 12th graders, Throughout, since I've been doing this for now two years, I've started, now I've already started my third year uh, of it, is I send baptism birthday cards. Has one of them got theirs, even though it was a few days late? You? Whitney? <laughs> and another one has got theirs early, because he actually happened to have his baptism birthday on the first day of school. That would be Evan. And I thought that's kind of appropriate, because you go into school, and whatever the year brings you, you come in knowing the truth. You are a child of God. Baptized in his holy name. You are not a dog. You are a child of the Most High God. And that means no matter what happens to you, you're his child. And that means when you're sitting down and you have to take a really tough test, or you got to write that paper, or whatever, or something is really challenging, you could get down and you could say, Lord, actually, by the way, you just heard in the text, what is a very simple prayer to say before a test? Lord, have mercy. It's a simple word to say, Lord, help me through this. Help me get through this day. If the people in school are being relentless to you, if friendships are falling apart and they're shaky, if a relationship, a boyfriend-girlfriend comes to an end and you come to school that awkward day after, you can pray to him and come to him because you are not a dog. You are a child of God. And he loves you more than you could ever begin to understand. He loves you more than your parents love you. He loves you more than your grandparents love you. He loves you more than you love you. And if you have any idea what the, how much he loves you, you just look to the cross and see the hit wounds in his hands and in his feet. The wounds in his side, he did that with you, your face on his mind. That is his love for you. And so you could come to him in prayer as a beloved child, forgiven, redeemed in him. Coming to church the Sunday before you go to school is a good practice including when you're going to college. So hopefully Keith, is over, Keith Hausman is over at Memorial in Ames and he's going to church right now. Or seniors, you know, if Ethan, he goes to college next year, before he goes wrapping off at Iowa State or Iowa or whatever, he's in church, hearing God's word, knowing that no matter what the year brings you, you're a child of God. And he is walking with you even in the darkest of days and the darkest of hours. You are not a dog. You're a child of paradise. So at this time, I'm going to pray a blessing. And by the way, adults, I know you're like, I'm not in school. Hopefully you realize that includes work. Work is not always easy. 
You're going to deal with sickness. You're going to be dealing with loss, death. You will deal with relationships not the way they're supposed to be. Life itself, it stinks. It's tough. The world is not very good anymore because of the sin-fallen world. The truth is still to you as well. Come to him as a child and as a lo the most loving of fathers. He hears, he answers exactly as you need. Maybe not how you want, but as you need because he loves you. So let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon all the children of our school district and all those who are attending school this year. We pray that you'd be with them in their classes, be with them in the, in the hallways. We pray that you'd strengthen friendships. We pray that you'd lead them to those who need friends and those who are lonely. We pray that you'd use them to protect those who need to be protected and helped. We pray that you help them in the classroom, help them in the on the football field, in the, on the courts of playing volleyball, basketball, running cross country, track, whatever it may be. We pray that you'd be with them. And we bless these backpacks as we bless the kids. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. School staff, please stand. Teacher, custodian, cook, whatever. So let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd be with all the school staff, including those who are gathered here. We pray that you would be with them through this year. We pray that you give them patience, give them guidance, give them wisdom, that they'd be. A that you'd lead them in however they are called to serve each of the kids of, these, of our schools. We pray that you would make them an example of your lo greater love for them and that they would know love and kindness and gentleness and they'd be led to whatever future you may have for them. And we pray all, for all of your teachers and we pray your blessing upon them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.